Wow. You're gonna like this. Oh, no, I'm not. Cause there is no goddamn middle. This is not unlike ancient Rome, by the way. Not so much the family circus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, um, I did, when I did Mary Shelley, I had the same issue with necromancy. A lot of them yeah. wanted to create self-sustaining farms and got into crystals. I know. Okay. I understand that. And, but yeah, I'm reading Livy, uh, who is a shitty historian. Because eerie guy guys. Others say that because Laurentia's body was common to all the shepherds around, she was called a she-wolf, which is a Latin term for whore. You were audible last season. It just, most of it was you slamming the table. As, as <laughs> the, the Romanists at the table. Well, duh. Yeah. Obviously. Ipso facto. Right. You know, to engage in a little bit of Latin. You have a sword rat. This is a Geek History of Time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history and uh, English teacher here in Northern California. And uh, the news here is that uh, it's, it's the middle of allergy season. And uh, so I want to apologize to our, our listeners uh, if, if I sound congested uh, or if in the middle of saying something, I suddenly go silent. I'm sparing you because uh, right before I came in here to record, I was out on my back patio and the trees are all in a free love mood. Uh, <laughs> they've, they've decided that it's time to get down and boogie and uh, they're playing Barry White. Uh, out there and uh, I did not consent to be part of it but um, they're kind of indiscriminate with how they spread the love around so that's what I'm living with and dealing living through and dealing with right now how about you sir well I'm Damien Harmony I'm a Latin teacher and a drama teacher and I found out just recently sure enough to be a U.S. history teacher next year uh, which means I'm returning to my roots in some weird ways. Uh, it's 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 been a long and arduous road uh, that I will detail probably piece by piece later on. But uh, suffice it to say, um, knowing that I started diving into creating curriculum, uh, and I am up to my eyeballs in the three fifths compromise, um, having just finished King Philip's War and reading a whole bunch of stuff by Increase and Cotton Mather. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm having fun, actually, uh, despite how depressing all of that stuff is. Um, but what I'm having a lot of fun doing, actually, is making sure that my language is more reflective of um, the way that I think history should be taught. So instead of okay. saying slave owners, I'm saying people who held other people in captivity. And right. so I'm having to type that out a whole bunch of times. Uh, yeah. But um, it's, it's, it's helpful. Who yeah. Held other people. P-W-H-O-P-I-C. I-S, enslaved. I, 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 okay. I would, yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, but I mean, yeah. if, you were, if you're teaching in Alabama, you know, you couldn't use that. You'd have to refer to slaves as prisoners with jobs. So, you know. Right. Well, and, and just, you know, <laughs> these are, you know, I'm, I'm speaking of my principal's relatives instead. So, by the way, that was an odd voice that I heard. Do we have uh, another person in the party tonight? There's a sapper inside the wire. Oh, well, look at that. Hey, we are joined once again uh, by Bryn Tannehill. Uh, and uh, she's back again. Uh, once again, she uh, wrote a really cool book. 
um, and we want her on to talk about that. I'll plug it at the end. Don't worry. And feel free to plug it yourself. Um, but uh, I have down here in my notes, doesn't work for a living, does Dungeons and Dragons, has a dog and has read a lot of books, um, which is different than having a lot of books because I once read The Great Gatsby, at least the first page. Uh, there you go. Yeah, tons of books yeah. back there. I there assume you've read. Um, so tell me about your dog. Was- oh my god well there's three of them three and they're dogs. all rescue huskies they're oh, wow. uh it's it's like having a pack of mildly brain damaged wolves as roommates mildly <laughs> yeah two two remarks number one mildly and two based on what i know about huskies how do you ever sleep like, well they're not as loud as you'd think but this morning was the example of of why i don't get as much sleep as i should because I heard one of them at 5.50 this morning. We have a doggy door. They can come and go as they please, big backyard. And I hear the bark that tells me, oh, crap, something's going down. And it's very Mm -hmm. specific. It's a long bark followed by a series of descending barks that get shorter and shorter and shorter. Doppler barks. Yeah. Doppler barks. But that bark is, is... I have found something small and furry and I am in the process of attempting to kill it. Um, (laughs) In this case, the first, we learned that one from uh, an opossum, which did not make it this morning. It was a raccoon, which did make it. So that was me dealing with, with huskies. And they're all rescues because uh, huskies are not beginner dogs. They're uh, what do you call it? Um, Expert friendly at best. And (laughs) um, (laughs) there so so is that is that because of their is that is that strictly because of their high energy level or is are they particularly like needy emotionally or what what is it about their personality i'm feeling attacked extremely (laughs) independent they're extremely independent um they they don't tend to be as people-centric as like a golden a golden retriever lives to make you happy right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. huskies are like dude when are you gonna feed me food now yeah Yeah? i got running to do (laughs) yeah um they're high energy you need to run them you need a big backyard they shed all the time um they have high prey drive many of them are very very vocal many of them are escape artists um they're difficult to train not because they're dumb um but just because they aren't like i mentioned they're not people pleasers Mm -hmm. like they don't live to please you it's like Okay, you know, if you want me to do that, you're gonna have to offer me something better. What, what, what's, what's the, what's my incentive? Hey, hey, hey what, what's, right? what's in it for me here? Hey, yeah. Hey, what am I getting out of this so. deal? Like, come on. Making you, making you happy is not all that big of an incentive. What, what else you got? Gotcha. Right. So they're the opposite of pugs. Yeah. 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 Like in p- basically every conceivable way. He, my pug was wonderfully easy to train because he was dumb. And he was a people pleaser. It was it was fantastic. Like it was, uh, man. So I've had at least two business meetings uh, uh, on Teams since the pandemic started that finished with me crawling into the dog crate and fighting with them to retrieve half a squirrel. So you know. Okay. Yeah. My my dog. Not the front half. The back half. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. My dog. He would just uh, you know like. Eat, eat lettuce if you gave it to him like that was but he would give you knuckles it was cool so it was yeah okay so for you it's a three dog night 
Time That's check. Right. Uh, well, I'll we be started. Here. I'll be here all, I'll be here right. all week. Try to be <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, we started like, uh, I, I don't know. We started recording like five minutes ago, maybe. Okay. So, but anyway, thank you so much for coming back, Bryn. I will actually remove the veil a little bit. Last time we spoke um, was late April. It, it is now. Mm-hmm. No, last time we spoke, I'm sorry, was early March. Yes. It is now, now late, late April. April. <laughs> I don't understand time. Um, and so it is now late April. So a lot of things have changed. And in many ways, a lot of things have simply deepened. Um, so uh, I, I think the, the best way to kind of get back at what we were going to is asking you about your D&D game, actually, I think would be just kind of a dip our toe in and, and whatnot. Yeah. And oh. I don't know if you, if you know, but uh, Bryn is playing a variant human um, rogue. Okay. Rogue bard. Uh, yep. A rogue bard. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Rogue one bard four. Yeah. It's, it's fun character concept. I wanted to try rather than make something that was OP. I wanted to try and make something that was much more. Google boy. Uh, our, uh, Role-playing focused, skill monkey focused. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the the concept was a character that um, started out as a rogue, as a street urchin, got caught stealing books from a great library, and and uh, it turns out that rather that uh, they'd actually been reading them and had a near eidetic memory, and rather than the the wizards and bards just turning them into a frog and keeping them in a terrarium. Um, they decided that she was better inside the fold. And now she's a traveling scholar uh, and uh, not particularly useful in a fight. Uh, fairly sneaky. A uh, lot, lot of fun to play in an RP way. Um, okay. kind, of, kind of a little bit of a, a absent-minded professor kind of vibe to her. Uh, very adorable, very kind of, kind of got a willow from Buffy the Vampire uh, oh, kind of vibe okay. going. Okay. Right. So, kind of like the, the the gal in Real Genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, it's like, you can't pee because I'm here, <laughs> huh? Right. Weird. Okay. Yeah, very much so. Or she'll yeah. go off yeah. on tangent. There's a little bit of ADD going on there. Very fun character to play and mm-hmm. absolutely useless in combat. <laughs> and we were talking about how... Um, homebrew rules or optional rules can end up uh, taking, um, end up having unintended consequences. Okay. Definitely. Uh, like, like what? Well, uh, we were talking about it beforehand, one of which was I played one campaign where the DM uh, instituted the critical wounds rule where you like, you know, you, you take a critical hit, you lose an arm, you, you know, okay. you, yeah, you're, yeah. You, right. Um, and what that ended up happening was players recognized that you really don't want to have random encounters. You really don't want minor fights because some random goblin, you know, can put your eye out and now all your attacks are at disadvantage as a, as a ranged fighter. Well, crap, okay. you know, so avoid fights unless they're really, really important. But the DM was like, why are you guys avoiding all my encounters? It's like, <laughs> well, cause any random, you know, kobold with a, with a, with a, thrown rock can you know put me out of the fight for the rest of the night so yeah why you know and in this case my the the dm's running something where anytime you go down it gives you a level of exhaustion right so 
anytime my character gets caught in an AOE, which this, this DM has been throwing AOEs at us for two weeks straight, not letting us rest. I've picked up three levels of exhaustion and my character is completely useless. So uh, I ducked out of the, I ducked out of it because uh, my character's basically uh, another a fight broke out and they're like, okay, invisibility. I'm going to go hide in the corner. I'll talk to you when it's over. <laughs> and that was an hour and a half ago. So that, that works. Um, it does, but yeah. it sounds dull. Yeah. Well, yeah, not a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so does your DM just hate Chumbawamba? Like I'm trying to figure out why they want you. <laughs> nice reference. Thank you. Uh, this is definitely a Gen X podcast. Oh boy. Howdy. Oh, yeah. Very, very yeah. well, very especially that. now that Ed has his own grill. Cause uh, yeah, uh, he, he's, he's got a Barbie grill in his Barbie world. Oh, it's fantastic. And that would be aqua. Yes. Yes. And Ed is now rubbing his eyes. Mm. I win. So, (laughs) well, cool. We are actually between games over here, uh, both with my children and uh, with the group that I normally game with. Um, But my children and I also just finished Avatar The Last Airbender. So we are actually, Julia, my daughter and I, um, she's nine and loves coming up with character concepts. So we basically came up with four (coughs) subclasses, earth, wind, water, and fire um, as, as subclasses of monk uh, to make benders essentially. So we, we have subclassed benders instead of looking up UA type stuff. Cause I like the idea of her having some ownership in it. So we might nice. be moving toward a game of that. So that could be a hoot. Sounds cool. Yeah, what about you, Ed? I know you're doing a first ed game or something. Uh, well, second edition. Second A&D, edition. Yeah. Because um, hi, Ryan, my uh, DM is um, uh, very old school would be, would be the, the way to say yep, it. That there you go. Wouldn't lead to me suffering critical hits uh, and losing an eye, uh, next time we played the game. Um, but yeah, he, he is, uh, very much, uh, I wouldn't put him in the, uh, OSR camp, the old school role-playing camp. So he's not a grognard. He's not, well, I mean, he is a grognard, but he's, (laughs) he's not, he's not quite, uh, that hardcore as, as a lot of the OSR types are. Mm-hmm. um but so yeah we're doing in second edition and i'm playing a cleric um wow you're stepping outside of your normal thing there that's good yeah stepping yeah. outside of my comfort zone uh mostly because uh, by the time i uh you know by the time i had the chance to get in touch with him about so like you know who who all is in the party uh we already had like three fighters and a paladin already selected and i was like well okay and then um, we have uh, a a bar a second edition bard mm-hmm. who has an identity crisis and thinks she's she's a thief uh, not a thief sorry thinks she's a fighter or a barbarian um, and um, several wizards. Um, Would you say that her wit is scalding? Nice. Oh, nice. Thank you. Oh. Nice. <laughs> that one oddly doesn't bother me no i didn't I think it would <laughs> yeah so um but uh you know well she's an escapist so that's uh the reason she's she's doing that uh, which is really obscure and I, I don't know if anybody but me is going to get that particular pun but anyway um and so basically the party still needed a cleric and i was like okay 
I'll play the cleric, but um, I'm not going to just play an ordinary cleric because I'm too extra. Uh, no, I'm going to play a, a cleric using the archetype of a Japanese Sohei. Japanese warrior monk. Oh, Willie Mays. Ori Adventals, as, yeah. oh. Are you uh, using the uh, old Oriental Adventures uh, second edition uh, uh, book? Yes. The, the, uh, yeah. I know you're not the, supposed the to say brown, Oriental, the brown cover, but... The, the brown cover uh, splat books for second edition. Yeah, I'm using, mm -hmm. I'm using one of the archetypes out of that. So yeah, and um, also because, you know, I can't just, you know, be ordinary. It was like, and by the way, I'm not taking, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, a priest of Quan Yin or like a healing god or anything like that. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a fire priest and it's a spell jammer uh, game. Hmm. Uh, and so the background I came up with was um, he got kicked out of the monastery because he, he's chaotic good and he doesn't do very well in a strict hierarchical kind of environment. And so um, he, he works as a shipboard firefighter. Okay. Um, and so took a couple of kind of sailor-ish, spell jammer sailor-ish skills for his proficiencies. And uh, the bit I'm having the most fun with with him is um, my wife is playing in the campaign and she is playing a fighter and uh, my character is absolutely madly in love with her. Like, like so you go the up first to her time, and you're like, so, hey, mama said the way you move. Gonna, gonna make, make you sweat. sweat gonna, gonna make, make you groove. groove. Yeah. Darn right. Uh, oddly. Mama say you move. Oh, we, we don't, don't want to get the BMG license coming down yeah, on no, us. No, guys. no, we can't. We can't. Yeah, Two no, seconds. Be That's it. Gotta be careful. All right. Um, it's okay because I punt it through and that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. if we sing it, we're in trouble. We're, we're, yeah, we're busted. <laughs> but, uh, but so uh, my character is absolutely madly in love with hers. Uh, basically from the first moment he saw her in a fight. Uh -huh. It was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, you have, a, you have a charisma of 15. Yeah, you're hot. Okay, cool, whatever. And then they got into their first fight and she wields it to, her character wields a two-handed sword. And he's, he's a Sohei. So personality-wise, he's more warrior than cleric. So he's up to and a quarter so, staff immediately. Well, yeah, Naginata, but you, oh, yeah, nice, nice. Uh, show you a lot of wheel strike, honey. Um, and uh, so, yeah, watched her, watched her dispatch a couple of couple of enemies very quickly. It was like, she's a goddess of war. I've never seen anything so amazing in all my life. And um, she is, and and her character is utterly nonplussed and totally clueless about how how utterly doe-eyed he is at her nice and so yeah everybody everybody at the table has a lot of fun watching us do that so hey because you get to yeah. flirt with your wife not as your wife mm -hmm. yeah so actually earnestly instead of like trying to make her roll her eyes uh, in irritation i think that's how it works i don't know i'm a veteran of two marriages that's how i recall so Cool. Well, that was that was fun. Uh, it's certainly a good uh, divergence away from the hellscape that's happening in the world uh, at present. I think. Okay, so when last we spoke, Putin had already invaded the Ukraine, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was. That but was the sanctions before. worked. He went home. Uh, democracy is now reigning over there. Um, it's no. I really did I... hate how you always do that. 
<laughs> like, so it's complicated. It, it, since since we last spoke, uh, the Russian offensive petered out. They attract. They attacked along four axes. Uh, it was not very great. And, and they ended up withdrawing from most of northern Ukraine to refocus on eastern Ukraine, the Don, the Donbass, and uh, also taking of Mariupol. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still, and where we're at right now is uh, they've gone from 130 uh, battalion tactical groups down to maybe 92. Um, the They're making slow, limited gains uh, in eastern Ukraine uh, while the uh, Ukrainians are engaging in defensive maneuver warfare. The U.S. has continued to uh, up and up and up the kinds of munitions it's providing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So has Europe. You've even got the Germans who are reluctant. Now they're handing over um, mobile anti-aircraft guns. Uh, They're handing over Leopard 1 tanks. Um, You know, the U.S. has given... uh, Ukraine so much stuff. We've given away a third of all of our Javelin missile stocks and Stinger uh, anti-aircraft missile stocks. And it's going to take us years to rebuild them, those stocks. We have given an absolute flood of small munitions to Ukraine. Um, This this, uh, offensive by the Russians is the last that they're going to be able to mount for a while. They, within a couple months here, the battalion tactical groups that they have in the field are going to be exhausted, maybe even as little as a month or two. Um, but there's rumors may floating I, around. May I interrupt yeah. there for real quick? So exhausted, but holding that territory, or is that then we're going to see the push back out? That's that's where we don't know. Yeah, uh, that's where we're really. Ukrainians have been fighting as much as they can on their terms, fighting a mm-hmm. defensive war, fighting. Um, in a mobile defensive style, right? Uh, not sticking to fixed positions and letting the Russians bring their artillery to bear, right? Um, which they have an overwhelming um, advantage in. Not for long. Uh, the U.S. is providing massive amounts of artillery, artillery uh, guided, even guided munition, uh, artillery munitions. There's rumors that the U.S. has provided. Um, M270 HIMARS and guided, uh, which are rocket artillery. Oh, thank you. Um, um, That, so there's rumors that the Russians are going to, uh, on May Day, on May 9th, that they're going to declare war and go to mass mobilization because the consensus is that the the Russian military as it stands now is incapable of executing uh, the Kremlin's stated goals. Now, this could lead to further escalation. It could lead to um, like throwing haymakers, um, kind of thing. It's it's well. Wh- what happens after that is if the Russians just start throwing eight hundred thousand conscripts that are handed a rifle and a pot helmet and told, you know, the Ukrainians are that way, kill something. Right. Um. You know. Yeah, they'll probably make advances, but. Uh, it will lead to a slaughter, given that the Ukrainians are better armed, better equipped, that they have already undergone their own mass mobilization and that their mass mobilized troops will have had two, three, four, five, six months of combat experience versus the Russian conscript who got, you know, or reservist who got, you know, three months of training 
you know, two years ago, six years yeah. ago. And they basically handed him a rifle pot helmet and a backpack and said, go. That's because the, honestly, it's going to take months for Russia to mobilize him during that time. So we don't know how this is going to turn out. Um, it, it sounds it, sounds to me like they expected a a quick strike, quick victory, knockout in the first round. And ne- the other person is clearly playing for points. And now they're starting to think about like, well, do we throw haymakers? So I guess my question would be actually not even haymakers at this point. So what, so Russia expected that they would come in, sweep in, Mm -hmm. capture Kiev in two, three days, Mm -hmm. uh, decapitate the government, put in a puppet. They had a puppet standing by, right. Uh, A pro-Russian political leader in Ukraine. And that they that they then would have half the country to themselves, that Ukraine would collapse, that there would be international fracturing over which government to recognize. Right. Um, and and they, none they of that happened. And that none of that happened. Uh, we've seen I've seen photographic evidence suggesting that they thought they were going to have the Russian troops going after Kiev mm-hmm. um, packed their parade uniforms. They thought that they were going to be marching in a parade in Kiev. A week after the invasion started oh, shit, that didn't really? happen yeah um i've seen pictures of dress uniforms being pulled out of captured russian um wow. armored personnel carriers and stuff okay so i've got so i got a question and and this is this is going to be you having having some experience in analyzing this stuff um based on based on that I'm curious about the the psychology involved in making that set of assumptions, because the other thing that we've all kind of seen, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I am one of those people who's, who's like on Reddit watching Ukrainian, you know, war video stuff and looking at, you know, stuff on the ground of, of what's, what's, you know, video of, of what's happening over there. And one of the things that, that has come out to us in the Western world is you know, we all thought the Russian army was this highly technologically advanced, you know, um, you know, highly competent, you know, scary behemoth of, of you know, the world's second army. Mm-hmm. And what we found out is, you know, the tanks they're driving are beat up. Uh, the vehicles, all the trucks, you know, or, or, or a great many of the trucks that we're seeing uh, are you know secondhand civilian vehicles that they've you know commandeered and maybe tried to militarize and just it it's it's kind of a shit show frankly and what i what i don't understand is if you were one of the soldiers in that army like if you were one of those tank crewmen you know that the tank you're driving is running on its you know fifth set of spares and you're only operating one radio of the three you're supposed to have for you know proper proper uh communication and so how did how did they uh gaslight themselves so effectively into thinking that it was going to be that easy so there's a that's a really long and complicated question there's a lot of I, I could talk for an hour on that. Um, so I'll try and give a, a short synopsis. So the Russian invasion of Crimea and the uh, Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts in 2014, mm-hmm. um, the Russians kind of steamrolled them. The Ukrainian 
Right. Military did not cover itself in glory. Their military equipment was a bunch of beat up, poorly maintained Soviet castoffs from the 70s and 80s, which when they tried to dig it out from storage was in no condition to fight. Troop training was terrible. Troop tactics were terrible. They get they got they got steamrolled by a bunch of irregulars or Russian special forces pretending to be um, Russian speaking Ukrainians. Right. The, the little green men, the, the hybrid warfare. Yeah. Um, you know, Ukraine fought back a couple of times, but and but eventually the, the Russians got most of what they wanted with very limited amounts of military pushback the ukrainian military did terribly right um in in all aspects i they were they were they were a mess right so the russians kind of expected when they went in this time that the ukrainian military yeah they're gonna be a little bit better but given how bad they were last time they can't be that much better right right okay um there was an expectation there was there's also some cultural chauvinism uh, hmm. you know, uh, we're Russia. We are with the Russian empire. The U- Ukrainians are Russians. They will welcome us with open arms because Russian culture is superior because they were always part of Russia. Um, so there's this, there's this bias towards believing that they would be welcomed with open arms and that Russian speaking Ukrainians would flock to the Russian banner. And that didn't happen. Um, and, and part of it is is a certain amount of of Russian egotism about them being culturally superior and you know Mother Russia. And before you look down on the Russians too much, uh, the U.S. is you know in our manifest destiny is pretty bad at this ourselves. Yeah, I was going to um, say Seventh Cavalry much. Well, <laughs> yeah, Seventh yeah. Cavalry and you know the the uh, uh, attempts to to suppress <laughs> the Philippines did not. Yeah. Oh, no. Did no bad. So yeah. you know, uh, Westmoreland. There's a. Yeah. Then you've also got corruption in Russia. People are stealing diesel, jet fuel, explosives, spare parts. Right. The the system hemorrhages money right. and parts and fuel. Right. Um. And every the the, the military is ridiculously underpaid. Um, it doesn't garner a lot of respect, uh, within the, within the public and within the, and within the, uh, within the Kremlin, the, the military is deliberately kept down. So it won't pose a threat to Putin. Right. Um, all of this and, has historical antecedents so far that I'm hearing. It's like a mix oh, yeah. between the Egyptian government of the 1970s and uh stalin's uh purging of all of his generals and colonels and <laughs> then throwing some purges it was yeah. but there's definitely uh, the corruption has made has caused material problems right mm-hmm. and readiness problems um the culture of making sure the military doesn't push putin out has kept the military weaker than it could be mm-hmm. um there's also the um, and we saw this in the uh, U.S. run up to the Iraq war, which was don't bring the boss bad news. Don't right. tell them we can't do something. Tell the boss only the good things make the best assumptions possible because you are part of this machine. Right. Yeah. This political machine. 
And when the boss says, hey, can your guys do this? The answer is, of course, yes, we can do this because I, you know, I'm the best at my job, right? You yeah, know, and, and I want, give me more stuff and more money and more opportunities to be a kleptocrat because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm better than the other guy that I'm competing with in this little, you know, internal political struggle. So it's so a school Putin, district. <laughs> yeah. More or less. Kind of. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I was, I was going to point out the, the political uh, similarity or historical similarity there Actually, to was, uh, the DOD under Johnson. I was, I was just going, going to go with to, Napoleonic hubris. Yeah. I was going to actually the closest precedent, but I'm biased because I'm, a, this is the military. I study a lot is there's definitely some um, uh, analogies between Russia now and uh, how Germany and world war II worked that you had Goering and Guderian and, you know, um, uh, you know, Rommel, Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to remember some of the others, Kessler and all the all the other, you know, Nazi functionaries trying to position themselves as the best for the Fuhrer it, so right. that they get more. They increase their fiefdom. Right. Goering is probably the worst best example. Best example yeah. Right. Yeah. Most yeah. potent example. I think we have dive bombers. We have bomber fighters. I don't see the problem. And it's like, well, well they I mean, don't they work were, at either. Were, um, but I was a pilot. I know what I'm talking about. The, the Luftwaffe heroin. had yeah. its own infantry divisions. They right. had they got put in charge of all air defense artillery. So you had Rommel yeah. and the other ground generals fighting with um, Goering for control of the 88 millimeter fixed guns, which were also right. remarkably good as anti-tank weapons. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and w- one of the things that that has come up in in analyses that I've read is uh, folks keep mentioning that there really isn't a non-commissioned officer corps to speak yeah. of mm. in the Russian military. And like having having spent a couple of years, I, I didn't actually manage to get a commission in the U.S. military. But one of the things in in ROTC that we got taught basically from day one, you want that was, all the time is is to wipe out those middlemen. And so that it's a much clearer chain of command from the lieutenant to the private, right? Uh, actually, quite Not the so opposite. Much. Oh no, no, oh, okay. no. Um, okay, I'll, I'll give you that you'll you'll immediately understand <laughs> when you start when you start at a new school site. Mm-hmm. Who is the very first person in the front office that you want to make sure likes you? Oh, you want the office manager to like you? Yes, <laughs> straight the up, and then the controller, the school secretary. Yeah, and that yeah. Yeah. Because they're the ones that actually make shit work. Yes, they right? will help you fix the Xerox machine when yes. it inevitably breaks down the first yes. three times you use it. Yeah. Yes. So it's 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 essentially the same thing. You need to have sergeants mm-hmm. to act as the professional, essentially the spinal column mm-hmm. of of your military because they're the ones who uh, are closer to events on the ground, and so they are the ones who are going to be in a position to have to make. Uh, you know, decisions, and they're going to have to be the ones to make judgment calls and give you, as a commissioned officer, a veteran, uh, sober uh, analysis of what's going on, so that you can make a command decision based on good facts. Right. And so the Russian, the Russian army, apparently, um, basically does not does not have a professional NCO corps. It is it is apparently the same kind of sort of kleptocracy 
um, that you see at the very top of the organization. So, and you, so, and you can see this playing out very specifically with the number of generals that Russia has lost in this fight. They've lost. Yeah. They have twenty generals in theater had, yeah. uh, <laughs> of which ten are now dead. Uh, which wow. is amazing. And basically what was happening is because of um, very rigid command structures, lack of NCOs, lack of initiative, uh, bad communications, mm. uh, poor communications. You had Ill generals communication. uh, pushing themselves to the front to try and take command near the front, but because of poor comms discipline, uh, Ukrainians were figuring out where these guys were and planting artillery rounds on top of them. Put the missile was, there. Yeah. It's the put, cell phone the stuff, right? There. Some of it's the cell phone stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 the Russians have taken appalling losses among the generals. Now they have 2,300 generals, which is kind of the bloated kleptocratic structure of the Russian military. Right. Sure. I think the U S military is, is significantly larger and only has about 1400 flag officers, which is still huge, but you know, uh, it's not nearly as bloated. Um, well, one of the things about Russian doctrine, though, uh, has always been that uh, the difference between Russian doctrine and, and American doctrine, in particular, uh, is that as a commander, as a junior commander of a unit at the front line, you have to be in contact with everybody back behind the lines to get new orders. Um, whereas our, our training here in the, in the United States was if you manage to find a weakness in the enemy line, you exploit it and then let us know you've done it so we can follow up on it, you know, and you, you so know, the it, Russian doctrine is supposed to look like that, except they're supposed to find the weakness, get permission to exploit the weakness, then exploit the weakness, but it's still <laughs> the same general concept. Yeah. This really is like a goddamn school district. Like, like, I found yeah. a thing that works for students. I have to inform my associate superintendent. Mother, may I? Right. Yeah. And and then like those students graduated two years ago. Like it, it feels like <laughs> standardized testing. Like you're really all right. Oh, so <laughs> so da, da. so it's it's going to look like it goes well. Uh so all right. So forecast if you don't mind forecast for us uh, out. Uh, a couple months. What are the, what are the possible? Because last we spoke, like it was, they had their finger hovering on the button. We didn't know if he was going to go nuclear option because he was getting getting kind of froggy about that, uh, which made sense at the time because that was in some ways part of the bluster of y'all stay out of this. We're going to knock them out. What about now? Like has has a rational mm -hmm. mind taken over? Has has it gotten worse and he's bunkered in, but now he's even more impotent when it comes to that kind of stuff? What? What's up? So I'm my prediction is that in a month, in about two months, mm -hmm. we're going to see the Russian offensive in the Donbass have come grinding to a halt. And now the Ukrainians are forced to go on the offensive if they want to change things on the ground. This is going to be much harder for them fighting sure. on the defense. Fighting defensively is a lot easier. Yes. Russia will have started begun mass mobilization, but it's going to take at least three or four months to start getting anything useful to the field out of mass mobilization. 
Because if you just start grabbing people, throw, telling them to show up in your uniform, you're leaving, you know, in a week you're leaving to the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It's a meat grinder, though. It's going to be a meat grinder. Yeah. Um, so my guess is that this goes one of two ways, is that either the Russia successfully turns into a meat grinder um, and that they manage to build up their army by throwing people at the front until they figure it out and eventually they wear down Ukraine mm-hmm. um, is what Russia's hope is going to end up being. Uh, and that they get the Ukrainians to sue for peace after a long, brutal period. Mm-hmm. Or if the Ukrainians are good enough and fast enough that they beat the surge of mobilization, that after two months, um, the Russian army is just so exhausted and that the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine has brought in so much a manpower and better weapon systems from the West that they're able to roll up, start rolling up the Russian army in about two to three months while the Russians aren't able to flow people there quick enough. Now that sounds much more preferred, uh, which means I I know it's probably not going to happen, but let's say that it does. What does that do to Madison Cawthorn and Tucker Carlson? Oh God. Well, (laughs) I'm kidding. You can tell, uh, go ahead and tell us the third option. The third option is it just kind of the Ukrainians aren't able to exploit the, the exhausted Russian BTGs. Mm-hmm. And it just turns into a, a bloody series of skirmishes up and down a line in eastern Ukraine. And then the Russians end up getting what they want, which is a multi-year war where they throw bodies at it until something good happens. Right. Because okay. um, the Russians, one thing to keep in mind, is Russians are not in in a position to replenish their stocks of precision guided munitions. They're not in position to get what they're, they don't have any good stuff left. Whatever stuff they're handing to troops that they send there now mm-hmm. is whatever stuff that they drag out of a warehouse or a bunker that's been sitting there since 1992. Right. right? that they're they're not going to be sending T90s and upgraded T80s to the front. They're going to be sending, you know, T72Bs. Right. that were manufactured in 1982 mm-hmm. and then got put in a warehouse and left there for sure. a long time. You know. All right, so back to Madison Cawthorn and uh, and Tucker Carlson, the real question. Well, nothing's going to happen to Tucker Carlson. Uh Madison Cawthorn Pity. Uh the, the fact that uh, he got caught doing something gay mm-hmm. after having embarrassed Republican leadership and made some accusations. They're going to let him twist in the wind. And with the Republican base having done something gay mm-hmm. or seemingly gay um, is inexcusable. And by the way, this is not a, this is not before anybody thinks that this is me being anti-gay. No, this is no. I'm I'm lesbian, but right. this is saying that that there is a homophobia within the GOP base that will right. drive them to turn on anybody perceived as being gay, especially now, which that would probably be a good segue to where we are now politically in the U S perfect. You see how mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very, Very clever. Very clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so where are we right now? Because it, it's where we are. It's trying to count the years. We're about two years from an election, two and a half years from a presidential election. We've got midterms coming up. Um, you know, it's it's 
usually midterms are historically bad for the sitting president's party, uh, which uh, that that's worrisome. Um, and yet there's, you know, possible rumbles of actually following through on some of his promises that Biden got elected to to commit to. I've, I've heard rumbles about uh, the student loan debt. Um, but we were looking at uh, midterms and we're looking at Marjorie Taylor Greene possibly being not allowed to run. Um, Madison. Oh, boy, don't yeah. we hope. <laughs> Madison Cawthorn. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm yeah. reading the tea leaves with the judge uh, in that case. I, I think she's she's with us. And I think she's probably going to end up being the kingmaker in the U.S. House of Representatives. Good Lord. That she she is going to she and the House Freedom Caucus are going to act like the Tea Party Caucus did to Dement and Cantor and the, the Freedom Caucus did to Boehner, which mm-hmm. is there's going to be just enough of them to scuttle any kind of legislation that Republicans want to run through the House. Because uh, looking at the midterms, mm-hmm. all signs indicate that this is going to be a bloodbath for Democrats. This is not going to be good. This is, we are, we are effectively seven months from the end of the of the Biden administration or any hopes the Biden administration has of doing anything legislatively. Um, there's really no hope, um, according to most statistical modelers, mm-hmm. of uh, Democrats reclaiming both the House and Senate for a decade at this point. Now, why uh, is at that, least, if you don't mind? Um, has to do with combinations of demographic shifts it has to do with gerrymandering it has to do with voter id it has to do with uh built-in biases uh of in within the senate that that red low population red states have Mm -hmm. more representation and there's lots of low population red states um you know so it all adds up to most forecasters really don't see Democrats as having a chance to reclaim the Senate until probably about 2026 or 2028. Um, it's, it's not good. Uh, and 2028 is probably the earliest and I've earliest and I've seen others that are saying, yeah, they don't think that population shifts will be enough to, to swing it back until 2032. So, um, to the point where it's just so overwhelming that no amount of gerrymandering would. That basically that, for Democrats to control the Senate, they would have to win the popular vote by six or seven points. Right. Yeah. I, I remember in your yeah. book, you talked a lot about that, about that, that handicap, essentially like a golf handicap. Right. So, you know, uh, the, uh, and that that's the most concerning thing. Um, going into the midterms, I'm seeing a developing political trend that um, I wrote about for Dame magazine Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the thing that is absolutely terrifying uh, as an LGBT person is that the Republican Party has gone all in on accusing um, all LGBT people um, who support trans youth mm-hmm. of being pedophiles or groomers, right? People who are trying to trick young people into ha- having gay sex or be trans or something right sure um and this is this is complete bullshit and this is i mean i can point at you uh to german propaganda called the the poison mushroom Mm -hmm. right uh which was a particularly vicious piece of anti-semitic 
propaganda from 1936. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but um, you know, the way that they went after Jews in the, the poison mushroom was that they were all kitty diddlers, right? Right. Um, you know, and that they were, they lure children in promises of candy and, oh, don't tell anyone, right? You know, uh, so the fact that we have a party that is authoritarian, fascist, and now that they have seemed to settle in on, okay, what group of people are we going to demonize into the ground? Yeah. As the group of people that we blame for everything wrong with America, that we build uh, anger and use agitprop on, that we direct the entire fascist movement's hate mm-hmm. at, right? And it's fallen on trans people first with, with lesbians and gays now a, a, a close second. And for a couple of years, there was much more on trans people and trans people are still the most hated group. But now that they've moved on, um, you can see them. They're starting to go after the Trevor Project, which if you're familiar, not familiar with the Trevor Project, it's essentially a uh, suicide hotline for tra- uh, for LGBT teens. Right. And they're now uh, the Trevor Project has things on its website. Uh, and has mechanisms and recommendations that if you're you're if you're an LGBT kid who have parents that you think are going to kill you if you get outed, like my parents literally told me I'd rather you were dead than gay, right? Uh, and being in the Mormon Church, they had uh, you know troubled teen camps where they shipped you know uh, LGBT kids to go live in prison camp like conditions. Oh, like the wilderness camps. Exists where they well, sign the, over custody to yes. somebody else. So to, the, 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 the pipeline is you get sent yeah. to a wilderness camp and then right. two months in a wilderness camp. And then you go to a prison camp in the Utah desert right. where you're subjected to conversion therapy and prison conditions. And if you don't renounce your LGBT identity, they deny food, they deny privileges. Um, they, they basically uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a re it's basically a re-education camp it's yeah. i was gonna say it's brainwashing mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it is it and is. i've interviewed survivors mm-hmm. so but i you know i've gone off course a little bit but what was the the direction we're seeing that the gop has now decided that they're going to make lgbt people the number one scapegoat mm-hmm. prompted me to write something which was like okay if they claim power the way i expect them to in 2024 i can i I'm now at a point where I can't say genocide is impossible in the United States anymore. I just, I, it's, it has, it is a non-trivial possibility and that's terrifying. Uh, You know, the most, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the most likely outcome, but I can't, I can't rule it out. It's it's Um, upsetting that it's even on the table. The (laughs) fact that I have to consider is like, okay, what would stop them? from going to genocide if they really wanted to and the answer is is well maybe the supreme court would hold up but you know what i do see is us going back to um and i'm also seeing some of the bills that are coming out anti-lgbt bills Mm -hmm. and they are aggressively taking us down a road that should be terrifying um my last article for uh, the Los Angeles Blade talked about how we're kind of heading towards some uh, court decisions that are going to look like Dred Scott, right? 
And I'll give examples, right? Uh, we already know that abortion is going to become illegal in the U.S. Roe versus Wade is almost certainly going down. Right. Um, and we know that southern, we know that other states would like to make abortion illegal nationally. Well, how would you do that, uh, especially um, if the courts uphold states' rights or if um, uh, you don't have 60 votes in the Senate to pass a law banning abortion and all? Well, you, you know, one, you could just get rid of the filibuster in 2025 and, and ban it nationally. Um, but other things that you could do is you could um, have states try and criminalize uh, doctors that perform abortions out of state on, uh, you know, a resident of Texas who goes to California. Uh, you could uh, start applying the felony murder rule. So if a woman gets pregnant in Texas, flies to California, you could start prosecuting the airliners, the travel agency, kayak.com, the, the guy that drove her to the airport, you know, and then start extraditing them all back to Texas. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, same thing with trans with parents of trans youth. Um, they're banning health care for trans youth. So what if a family in Texas leaves Texas and goes to California and stays in California to get medical treatment? Mm -hmm. Well, we could see Texas trying to start extraditing them right um arguing that they're still residents of texas or that they got medical uh care while they before they had changed it but they will find a way to drag them back right, right. and same thing we could see the same thing with uh we're going to see homosexuality recriminalized again we're going to see lawrence versus texas overturned because we're lawrence versus texas relies heavily on roe versus wade on mm -hmm. uh, griswold versus connecticut so we're going to see uh, we're going to see marriage equality overturned. We're going to see Lawrence v. Texas overturned. So what happens when you see states like Texas, uh, which regard anything LGBT as obscene, right, and pornographic? Right. So what happens when Texas says any child that's living in a family with married same-sex parents has been exposed to obscenity and pornography, and we're going to pull them the same way they want to pull trans kids out of out of families and this family flees to california and texas says nope bring them back we want the kid we got the parents parents right. are on charges of indecency with a minor and the child needs to be put in a, a good good christian home right and all of these cases remind me a little bit of dred scott which is basically are you free when you get to a free state right and can the free state protect you and can you prosecute everybody and their dog who might have helped a slave escape and can you ever stop being property or can you ever stop being a a slave or and property of a of a uh, a slave state right and the answer in dred scott was no yeah it, it reaffirmed it made, the fugitive slave act i mean it, yeah. it basically, of both, yeah. of both uh, 1793 and 1850 right uh and it went even a step further and what we're going to see with the 6-3 supreme court and possibly 7-2 uh, Sotomayor has health issues, um, is we will see, a, and given what the Republican Party wants to do in places like Texas and Alabama, to reach out and drag people back and ensure that nobody can get an abortion, nobody, no gay people can adopt kids or have kids, um, we, we are in a position where we could see states trying to drag people back and we could see a Dred Scott decision, because how is California How's Washington, how's Oregon going to react when you're rip, when Texas is 
dragging people back, you know, to put them in prison and give their kids away. What's what's the reaction? There's going to be a huge segment in all three of the states that you just mentioned that are all for it. Because yeah. as blue as these states are, that's because of the urban centers. If you go 15 minutes away from any of them, you find Confederate flags. You find a very deeply red state. Um, it just, you know, that, that deeply red state is 1,500 people in that county. And there are millions of people in the uh, blue county. But there but are 57 state, counties in California. So start any, up. any Democrat. But California is still ultimately controlled by Democrats. And any Democrat yes. that doesn't fight back against that sort of thing yeah. is not going to survive the next primary. True. True. Well, so, I'd, I'd like that to be true. Uh, what I found out here in California. Uh, and again, my bias, I'm, I'm a teacher who just got off of an eight day strike. Uh, there were, uh, so there might be some jaundice colored glasses uh, yeah, being, yeah. being worn here, but I mean, I was literally sitting next to one of the city council members and one of the, uh, sack, uh, one of the, uh, the, the county supervisors where I'm at, um, both of whom are Democrats. Um, like you said, it's a Democrat state. Now, having said that the Democrat party here in, in our state's capital, as well as several other places, their party platform is, what are you going to do? Vote for the other guy? Shut up and get in line. Like, and that's it. And, and so there's not much room for, like, leftists have not been able to primary these people. Um, now, if they fall down more on their job than just screwing over labor and, and minorities, we'll sending, see. But sending gay people back to Texas. To, I would like to, to hope that, that we would actually hold their feet to the fire. Sending, but random arrests of taxi drivers who drive someone right. from the airport to a hotel, you know, um, just, you I, know, I, we I, also have been fine with uh, killing black citizens in our city. So yeah, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's painfully uh, deficient in, in a lot of ways that have really mattered. And so I worry that, you know, it's, it's, it, also, the standard Democrat thing to do is oh, we'd much rather lose to the Nazi than we would to uh, somebody on the left of us. So let's delegitimize. Like, I know people who are currently running for city councils, um, uh, not just in, in my home city, but in others, who all of them report the same thing, that the older Democrats that are already on city, city councils and maybe trying to leave absolutely keep tabs on what they do on social media and they they try like hell to control younger progressive more progressive uh potential candidates like really really nepotistic and insidious type stuff my guess is mm -hmm. that is that as these tactics come about uh and as younger people don't see anything changing i think we're going to go one of two ways, which is either rage or despair and hopelessness. The despair and hopelessness is the Russian solution, which is yeah. nobody, no, <laughs> a truth, yeah. knowing the truth is impossible. Changing anything is impossible. So this is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? Right. right? Um, the, but that's, there's there are it's been pointed out many times and I tend to agree there are cultural differences between Russia and the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, U.S. tends to be very fiercely independent and very very you know screw you when it comes to the government. Um, I have to wonder what 
the revolt at the base level would look like. And mm-hmm. I can't answer that. Is there a breaking point for people who are left and not just center left, like democratic leadership? Eventually, is you know, eventually, is there a breaking point for them? Is well, there I a think, breaking point for the center left? I think there they... is. There is in certain spots, for instance, um, Portland and Seattle. Very clearly, you saw a very strong leftist movement and ongoing fights with uh, the authorities in somewhat democratic cities. Um, but I, I wonder, it, it's this weird thing, like in, in certain places where you have flashpoints like that, yes. But when you have just a slow boil kind of turning up, um, you know, we, we, it's like you said in your book, we, we, we go out, we protest, we, we get real loud for a while. And they know that they can just wait us out. And those are yes. our allies. Those are mm-hmm. our alleged allies that are waiting us out. Well, and the Republicans know they can wait it out, too. Yes. Yeah. Everybody knows they can wait it out. Mm-hmm. And if you look, going back towards Ukraine again, um, Lukashenko won a rigged election that was free but completely unfair. Right. And he had six weeks of massive protests and riots. And he's still he's still there. He's still secure. Now, it limited how much he could participate in the war in Ukraine because he was scared to death that if he sent his army into Ukraine, that he wouldn't be able to put down a rebellion. Mm-hmm. But he's still there. And mm-hmm. mass protests and strikes did not turn out the dictator. Yeah, I see when when I think of what we've got coming up and I, I, I think of your analysis and having read your book, um, I think that in many ways we're looking at the U.S. as like another Hungary where there was a brief break from the fascist in charge. And then they came back and were like, right, we got we got our first draft out of the way. And now we know exactly what to target and fix. And it feels uh, very similar to that mixed with a tinge of like the 2010 midterms where they got control of the House right at the time where really good computer modeling came in and that's what enabled gerrymandering Mm -hmm. to a much more precise extent and now you combine both of those things and it's uh you know again we haven't seen the guy from hungary step down anytime soon no matter no matter what happens yeah if you want to read a really great book um on uh, the subject of 2010 and gerrymandering Mm -hmm. uh Rat fucked. Why your vote doesn't count by David Daly is oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. So. Yeah, I've, I I think I've heard him interviewed a few times. So, so um, damn it, I had a thought and it flipped away. But oh, um, I read I I had uh, talking about you know what what's happening in in you, you know we've we've been talking a lot about you guys have been talking I've been listening because you're way smarter than I am about it, but. You know, talking about what's what's kind of you know happening on on the left. Um, I read a, a really interesting analysis, and I'm trying to remember who it who it was who wrote it um, about what's happening in the Republican Party right now. That um, there is a DeSantis authoritarian movement, and there is a uh, Abbott. I think was the other one that 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 was mentioned. Authoritarian movement, yeah. That that like there's the the Florida branch, and there's the and there's the the Texas branch that are that are triangulating toward uh, 
um, a a form of authoritarianism that's going to be more palatable. Part of the part of the uh, analysis was talking about you know Liz Cheney and whoever else it is who's on the January sixth committee in Congress. It's like they would have been totally okay with 90% of the stuff that the Trump administration was doing, mm-hmm. but they, but they balked at direct attacks on the institution of our democracy. But what DeSantis and Abbott are doing don't rise to that level of sedition. And so we need to worry about those two. Uh, I'm going to disagree. Okay. Um, so DeSantis would happily overturn election, the election if he could. Okay. Uh, Abbott would happily overturn the election if he could, if he needed to. I don't think they're going to need to. Um, I think uh, I think the voter suppression and the the right word lean the right word leans in Texas and Florida are going to be enough to keep it safe for Trump or the Republicans in twenty twenty four. But I had the conversation yesterday with someone else in a different interview um, uh, with some British uh, with some British podcasters, you know, and they were like, well, you know, OK, suppose Trump, you know, eats one Big Mac too many and <clears throat> right, uh, you know, oh, has a heart attack and kills hope. over. And it's like, well, would this get better? Would this would this break the fever? Would this would 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 the Republican Party come back to us and and. Would there be a re- restoration of some sort of po- political normalcy? And my answer was no. Actually, no. Trump is no. Trump is slowing down right. the descent into fascism because he's an idiot. He's venal. He's incompetent. He's ADHD. Um, he he's um, obviously a buffoon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps tripping over his own feet as he tries to incorporate fascism because not, he's neither particularly tactical nor strategic about it. Right. He doesn't listen to anyone. He doesn't understand the system. He's ignorant. He doesn't, and he's not just ignorant, but he's happily ignorant because he believes that whatever he has in his brain already is better than anything he might read on a piece of paper, right? So he Trump, is. He is what uh, everybody hoped Hitler was like what would the way if you watch the great dictator, the way that Charlie Chaplin portrayed Hitler was indicative of the hopes that everybody had because everybody was like, oh, it's clearly Goebbels, who's the power behind the throne. Um, He is he is that buffoon that Hinkle was. Um, We should be so lucky, which is the worry. But I'm sorry I interrupted you. Yeah. So, you know, um of them, uh, DeSantis, I believe, has is a uh, Harvard is a Ivy League educated lawyer. Yep. Mm-hmm. He knows he understands exactly how to destroy the system, and he also understands exactly what buttons to push to get the fascist base highly motivated and going after LGBT people as pedophiles and groomers. Um, I think he made a strategic error going after Disney, but it's still. It was waging culture war for the sake of culture war. He's also using it to distract from the fact that he's been disenfranchising black people in Florida and that there's been some um, shenanigans, electoral shenanigans going on down there. Mm-hmm. But in the end, he's also a true believer. Um, and Abbott is a true believer. And when I say true believer, I mean, these are people who believe that the United States would much be, be much better off if there were no visible LGBT people and they will use every mechanism and lever of power 
that they have available to make that happen and that they will create new ones and by whatever have, means necessary. They have an agenda, whereas Trump's agenda is himself by whatever means necessary. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's more interested in the kleptocracy. He's more right. interested in, oh, look, I feel great. I've got my own personal Marine Corps helicopter. Aren't I wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I want to make myself richer. I want to feel powerful. I love having people kiss my ass, right? right? End stage um, Mobutu. He, it's he it's the not, narcissism. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was narcissistic personality disorder. I'm 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 okay. I can do this because I don't have the the Goldwater rule. Mm -hmm. I'm not part of the APA or anything. But yes, absolutely. I believe Trump uh, is has narcissistic personality disorder. Oh, yeah. Um, But in the end, he could not give less of a rat took us about LGBT issues or LGBT policy. It was somebody from the religious right your your millers your pences your ryan anderson's your vicky hartzler's getting in pence's ear getting in his ear getting in the ear of franklin graham right. who calls him uh or when trump called them it's like hey we need you you have to ban trans people from the military and here's the series of tweets that mm-hmm. we want you to send out or we need mm-hmm. you to tweet this or you need to use your your power to ban trans people do this do that trump's not doesn't doesn't understand oh hey we're going to put in a new you know you know something into the us code that's going to do have this effect on lgbt people he's that he doesn't care about that it's somebody doing it for him uh abbott and desantis being lawyers and desantis in particular being a ivy league educated lawyer Yes, absolutely. They're down in the weeds details. They want they. This is what they want. This is what they believe. This is where they want to go. Um, and they will pursue it more aggressively and more effectively than Trump ever did. And they can stay on message and they can deliver the message they want in some ways even more effectively. Uh, I personally believe that DeSantis is going to challenge Trump for the Republican nomination in 2024. Mm. And I think he's going to give Trump a run for his money, which brings me to the one scenario where the U.S. survives that I can come up with. Only one I got. Which is DeSantis beats Trump in the primary. Mm -hmm. And then Trump goes rogue and tries to run an independent campaign and pulls away 25 20 10 15 20 percent of the vote and it's all conservative voters and biden wins in a landslide the way almost exactly the same way clinton beat bush i was gonna say yeah that sounds very ross perot like down to the t in a lot oh, of intensely. ways yeah in a yeah. lot of ways yeah yeah so Ed, but i, I don't that, think that's oh. very likely i i think i think that trump yeah at if you did if you had the primaries now trump would still beat um beat DeSantis okay Ed you had a question that you were going to ask her well yeah I'm I'm curious when, when you're talking about uh DeSantis and Abbott being true believers about their their outlook on on you know the believing that the U.S. would truly be better off without non-white non-straight you know heteronormative etc uh uh you know with with only uh, heteronormative white people in charge. Do you think 
and and this is this is I know going to be going to be kind of purely conjecture, but but I'm I'm curious about your your take and your read on them. Do you think there is any level on which they understand that they are destroying democratic? They are in fact destroying democratic norms, or do you or do you think that they are such true believers that they actually believe? they are somehow saving or protecting them. So it's an apocryphal statement. And it, it turns out it was probably made up by the reporter. But do you remember we had to burn the village to, to save it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a there's kind of a Republican mindset that because liberals and the wokists and the, the gays and the transes, you know, wokists. and and, okay. and and Antifa and BLM have taken us so far off the rails that the country must be saved, whatever it takes. Sort and of if that means just if that means seizing control for two or three generations, which is the exact wor- for a generation or two, mm-hmm. which is the exact wording the pro-Trump Claremont Institute, a conservative think tank, used. We, if we have to seize power for a generation or two, so be it, because that's what it's going to take to save the nation. They don't quite get that the culture has drifted far enough away from them and that we are so polarized that American cities will burn and you will probably touch off a left-wing insurgency if you take us that route. If you, if you, if you create a Christian, a white Christian nationalist nation that decides that it is going to impose its values, beliefs, uh, via any means necessary upon the rest of the population. So everybody better be fucking praying in school in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, there better be no freaking, no sign of queerness anywhere, that there's no abortions for no one, there's no birth control for no one, and the only mm-hmm. escape from the federal government, you know, putting you in prison because you're gay or you're a gay person with kids is to flee to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, we just reached 1861 again. I was say it sounds um, like you're predicting uh, the the best version of serenity. Um, you know, like maybe that that's the insurrection we wish that the brown coats had done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I'm just saying that we are going. People, uh, there there's a lot of folks that I talk to um, who are veterans in media who have been to Kosovo and Yugoslavia and other interesting places that have had revolutions. Mm-hmm. that's it's their opinion that yes uh the u.s is headed to a blow up um because you have two groups of people you have a minority group that wants to instruct a very strict white christian nationalist vision of what america will be and should be and can be mm-hmm. and you have the rest of the majority of the population that doesn't want that and then you have the 10% of the population that's going to be utterly screwed if that happens, right? right? Um, that they cannot continue their lives as, nece- as they cannot continue their lives in the United States. Um, and that's, you know, uh, do you like the TV show Archer? Yeah. Oh yeah. Big you know, um, you know, do you, do you want a revolution? Because this is how you, get, is revolutions. How you get a revolution. Yeah. Right. This is, or do you want actually more effective, or more more succinctly? Do you want an insurgency? Because this is how you get, you an, get insurgency. an insurgency. Sure. Yeah. 
I like it. So let me uh, let me close with this question um, and then your subsequent answer, and then we'll get into the plugging. Um, Elon Musk, short for elong- elongated musket. Um, he uh, <laughs> I heard that the other day and I was like, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, he instead of getting I'm pretty somebody- sure it's false, though, his musket is not elongated. Well, I don't want a body. He does shame. not behave. He does not behave. Anyway, so, I, I always yeah. thought of his more as a muskrat with a lawn, but, you know, <laughs> So uh, a, a, a former apartheid child, Elon Musk, uh, uh, white supremacist who uh, in his in his factories, black people are actively moved to the back of the factory floor when he comes by. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, there's a class action lawsuit. There's a lot of shit going on right now. Oh, yeah. How I read about I that on Twitter. That? Yeah. So anyway, speaking of Twitter, he bought it uh, or he's in the process of like signing the final to. paper. Uh, it occurs to me the timing is quite something. So you have a man who grew up in apartheid <laughs> state uh, buying a, essentially a public utility for communication upon which the former president made his bones and and frankly uh, activated a whole bunch of uh, deficient personalities, as Ed would put it, um, was kicked off of and banned for life uh, because of he his fomentation of a uh, insurrection. Elon Musk is buying that platform um, and it's 2022. Uh, what impact do you think that will have on the upcoming elections uh, on both uh, the I, I don't know that he'll be able to do too terribly much between now and midterms, but certainly by 2024. What's what's that going to do? Because we're talking about it's not even in the top 10 of social media platforms, but it is like one of those like Jerome Kersey was not uh, an all star all the time, but he was a key player of the Portland Trailblazers. So uh, same thing here. It's it it is a pivotal, if not hyper important uh, social media platform. So what's that going to do to the 2024 election? Because that that's a that's a big thing. So. My next article that's waiting to come out, it's embargoed at the moment, uh, is talking about just this exactly the subject. Um, and what there's there's some funniness to it. Uh, I don't know if you knew, but uh, Elon Musk uh, got divorced, I believe, from Grimes, or was he dating Grimes? They divorced. I, I think they, uh, yeah. they divorced. Or, yeah, I believe so. So um, I might be mixing so, him up with Bezos. I don't know. Yeah, they both did well, dick rockets. They, so. they, 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 they split up. Yeah. Uh, whether or not there was a divorce involved. And apparently uh, trans woman and secret spiller Chelsea Manning is apparently stopping his ex. So hmm. um, he's apparently really upset about that. Um, and he's also apparently really upset that um, Twitter gave a ban to... Uh, uh, the Babylon B for deliberately misgendering uh, surgeon uh, uh, assistant surgeon general Rachel Levine, mm-hmm. um, and he considers this, you know, an, an affront to free speech and wokeness, and right, and, and, right. and and a sign of wokeness. And um, you know, part of there's there is a rumor belief among some that in part he's buying Twitter mm-hmm. because he's pissed at trans people. Uh, for stopping his ex. <laughs> um, I mean, Trump ran for president because a black guy said mean things to him once. So, 
that fits yeah. um, or, and, or and you could go to, back further. He ran for president because dad didn't love him. Yeah. Uh, just to, just to jump in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Elon Musk and Grimes were not actually married. Okay. Okay. They broke so, up. Okay. So they weren't married. Uh, we were thinking of Bezos, but still yeah. the, po- the point about Chelsea Manning oh, yeah. and Grimes being an item, they apparently are an item. Um, so what makes Twitter a little bit unusual is there's only a small number of decently moderated. And I say decently meaning minimum level of moderation Mm -hmm. of how much awful stuff can you say? Um, And you wouldn't believe the amount I get. Twitter is more or less okay with me being called a groomer and a pedophile constantly. So it's still not a great place, but it still has some enforcement mechanisms, right? Of course, he's attacking um, one of the black women who is a part of that that apparatus. Uh, yeah. he's, he's specifically attacking her and harassing her and directing harassment at her. Facebook is terrible at this. It's, it's a right-wing hellhole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at the other sites that went for free speech, like, like uh, Musk is promising he'll do, mm-hmm. what's, you know, Parler, Getter, Gab, truth they're all basically you know um right-wing hellholes that Mm -hmm. are absolutely overrun with bots and um nazis you know i have people that are uh that uh, friends of mine who study the the far right Mm -hmm. and we're not just talking you know um you know prosobiak and cernovich and and annie no People, I mean, people who all have, you know, freaking swastikas tattooed on their foreheads and wander around, you know, neighborhoods wearing, right. you know, Schutzstaffel, you know, uniforms, right? You know, um, you know, liter- legitimate neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. you know, on Telegram celebrating Elon Musk um, buying Twitter because they think that they're coming back soon, right? Right. And my point is, is, is that if Musk does what he intends to do to Twitter, it will turn into just another parlor getter or gab and the the awful people will chase off the non-awful people. Um, there's only so much abuse you can take before you're like, this is not worth it. I'm leaving. Bye. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, do you remember the story about in the early 2010s, like 2000? 12 2013 time frame mm-hmm. um, Microsoft attempted to create a chat bot that was supposed to learn by interacting on Twitter yes yeah. and it took and it took it the became a racist. 24 hours it turned not just racist I mean yeah. we were talking you know full yeah say the 14 words right. 418 you know yeah. right level of oh my god Nazi right yeah yeah you know and that's <laughs> that little paperclip that, that pops, pops up. Hey, you're looking to create a re-education camp. Would you like some help with that? <laughs> There's only you one know, true font. <laughs> so th- there are some rumors that the, that the sale's not going to go through mm-hmm. because investors are going to get real nervous because what happens if Twitter goes down the parlor getter gab route? Well, you're going to have um, Amazon and Google drop them from its authorized um apps list which means no more twitter on phones unless oh you're willing to root kit your phones can you imagine um, that amazon and google are the good guys in this 
Like it's kind of like DeSantis. I, I even put it on on Twitter. How fucking evil do you have to be for Disney to be the good guy? Yeah. <laughs> what was oh. it? What was it? There was this. this, this uh, there was this. Do you remember Night of the Mary Kay Commandos by Berkeley Breaded uh, yes. in Bloom County? No, he's he's the one who reads things. So, <laughs> so there's there was a, there was a punchline from 1988 where uh, there was this like what was it? Saved from fascist by was rescued rescued from fascist by a bunch of terrorists. A dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you yeah. know, your comments about Google and Amazon saving us from from something worse, uh, which would be really funny because uh, Musk is leveraging the hell out of this buyout. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of loans, loans that that at a four percent rate would mean Twitter needs to bring in a billion dollars a year just to pay the interest, um, right? Pay the Holy interest shit. on the loans. Oh, right? yeah. And it's a vanity so project. What oh, yeah. happens and- if Twitter's base collapses as it turns into a you know all you know all fascist all the time you know uh, well yeah hellscape the but the big problem is the big problem is that if twitter goes down and turns into that there's nothing that's going to emerge rapidly or quickly to replace it that would provide a similar level of news information discourse activism capability yeah right and it's it's worth mentioning that you know the way uh hungary collapsed its its media is that the state bought up everything and what wasn't bought up by the state was bought up by cronies of Mm -hmm. the hungarian dictator orban or authoritarian orban and that anybody in russia or hungary that is gets goes crosswise with the government as a businessman Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have a billion dollars now, but we can ensure you got nothing right. in very, very short order. And we saw Trump try and do that with Amazon, with the cloud contract with the DOD. Mm-hmm. Um, as time goes by and the guardrails of democracy erode, we'll see the government doing more and more stuff like what um, DeSantis is trying to do to Disney that we can see, we could see the US government running independent media sources out of business right. um, to create a, a um, e- uh, media ecosystem monoculture, um, which my last article for Dame Magazine pointed out that just how effective a government-run monocul- media monoculture can be in convincing people of absurdities in order to commit atrocities. And the example I would used was Look at the overwhelming support within Russia for right. the invasion of Ukraine, even though it's completely unjustified, brutal, and they're raping, killing, and murdering everything, right? You can convince people to support a Holocaust, a genocide, by feeding them nothing but lies, mm-hmm. right? And giving them access to nothing but lies and telling them nothing but things they want to hear. Do Americans really want to hear? Hey, we sent, you know... And, U.S. troops to invade Canada and they've been instructed to, you know, bayonet babies. Well, that might be true because, you know, let's face it, uh, we had Candace Owens demanding that the U.S. invade Canada and liberate it from Justin Trudeau back in February. Um, but the scariest part is, is that if you created a media monoculture, mm-hmm. 
Russia has demonstrated it would be entirely possible to yeah. make the majority of U.S. citizens believe that if they got cut off from all the media sources that were telling the truth. I mean, in many ways, we have a light, a diet version, a splendid version of that with with Fox and OAN. Like you, you already kind of see that <laughs> monoculture kind of thing happening. Yeah. They, so they we've believe. already got the groundwork laid. The very fact so. that you're talking about OAN in a serious tone scares me in ways right. that I can't even like <laughs> Newsmax, OAN. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, the Millennial Post. Um, Epoch Times. The Epoch Times. You I know, somehow there, got on their their mailing list and I cannot okay. I I like I don't I've told them stop sending me this shit. I've got the and same shit with, in my email with Trump. I I I even asked an ex-wife. <laughs> I said, "Hey, not mad if it was you, but did you as a prank put me on a Trump mailing list? Cuz I'll be impressed. I won't be mad and well done. But was it you?" And she's like, "No." I'm like, I kind of wish it was because and we both had a laugh over it. It was nice. But uh, being a lesbian, you're friends with all your exes. uh, Well, no, I'm not. Uh, But I have children uh, that we both love. uh, And she's a lesbian and I'm queer. So, you know, the ecosystem is is there. But for the personalities involved. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, see, if she had done that, I think that could have been a bridge back. Um, but sadly, no, so I might be editing this part out. Uh, okay. So, uh, the, uh, so back to the monoculture, uh, ecosystem. So we're seeing a, uh, a weird reverse statist corporatist thing where the, the, the state devours the corporation. Um, and then, you know, kind of Columbus is it like, this is mine now. Well, more along the lines of decides which corporations succeed and which ones fail. Based oh, so off it is which just, ones are most label, yeah. which ones are most um, friendly to the brand, most friendly to the ruling party. You know, and right. it's literally in my book in the section on the relationship between business and the government, mm-hmm. which is which is the the quote I use is the message of fascist regimes to business, big business is do not cross der Führer, and mm-hmm. everything will be fine. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to end it. Uh, so yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I, I, I got to come back, though, to the to the Twitter thing. I'm sorry. Uh, OK, so no, if plugged the book. Yeah, also, well, we're definitely gonna do that in a second. But so if Musk manages to pull the buyout off and uh, you're you're essentially saying that he in so doing, if he gets his way, it will become an irrelevancy and it will no longer be a platform. Well, that they can jump off of politically as far as those who are actually in power. It's just going to be another. There's going to be a weird competition, right? Yeah. What what I'm seeing in some of the literature is that you're going to have lenders that are going, that are fully capable of going, okay, well, what happens when you turn a site into a free speech site? Well, mm-hmm. it turns into pure Explodes Nazi bill. Yeah. And the user base shrinks down to just Nazis, right? Right. Um, far right nut jobs and conspiracy theorists, right? You're not going to be able to pay those loans back. You're not even going to be able to cover the interest Mm -hmm. if you do that. So you're going to have the lenders going to Musk and saying, yeah, don't do that. We may, if you do this, we're going to call it due now, right? We're going to call it in now and collapse his, his empire. Whereas Musk is going to, um, 
try and push back against that. There's some speculation at this point that the deal is going to fall through because um, lenders are already getting antsy about it. Sure. So, well, and, and Tesla, Tesla investors are getting getting worried because he's he's looking at selling a bunch of his shares in that company. Yeah, already has. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and that's and that's going to hurt their their valuation in Tesla. So, oh, like, he's yeah. he's gambling literally his entire financial empire on this. And it's so, it's pretty clear. There's signs signs everywhere. There's signs. Yeah. So I mean. You know, Elon Musk tweeted that Elon Musk tweeted that he wants the maximum amount of free speech possible, that anything that is legal to say should be sayable on Twitter. Well, let's just point out the case of Brandenburg versus Ohio in 1968, where for listeners who aren't familiar with that. Uh, the head of a local Klan group outside of Cincinnati held a Klan rally, you know, hoods and burning crosses and all the, you know, Klan accoutrements. And they caught him on on a recording urging the other members of the Klan that we need to take revenge, sick, mm-hmm. on N-word and Jews, right? And the police got a hold of this and they're like, okay, yeah, that was a call for violence drag him in right drag him in because the supreme court and the supreme court says well because it wasn't directed anybody you know uh specific and because it wasn't an imminent call for action it didn't say go do it now it's just like well it should be done and it didn't specify the specific person or group or church or whatever that it should be done against that's free speech right and covered by the constitution so going on Twitter and saying that we need to, you know, we need to take revengeance on LGBT people and eliminate them, mm-hmm. right? Legal, right? Calling for genocide, perfectly legal, right? Uh, so is doxing. Doxing's perfectly legal, right? right. Um, doxing and implying, hey, uh, Bryn Tannehill is lives at such and such address and uh she is uh she's a groomer and a pedo and uh and and somebody should do something about that Mm. right legal (laughs) right yeah uh you know so the, the you you see now here's the problem that's legal in the united states not legal in i was gonna say in the EU, the EU is right? about to say no, y'all can't come over here because that violates right. the dignity clause of most of the constitutions over there. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So you know, the, my my point being is that Elon is that Musk wants a free speech site, but if he gets that, he's going to destroy it. The investors are going to either going to call it due, or he's not going to be able to make it, or he's going to mm-hmm. tr- make the interest payments. Or he's going to try and uh, in, in, in institute a pay-to-play, like you know, a penny per letter, and sure. you know, twenty-five cents to, to attach an image or something, right? Which that would just collapse the user base yeah. even further. Um, so he's either going to kill the goose that laid the golden egg, mm-hmm. or he's going to be, for, or he, or he's going to back out, or he's going to be forced by reality to um, leave things kind of the way they are. Um, given that he's a billionaire, apartheid, uh, dumbass, uh, 
who doesn't who doesn't <laughs> think beyond a surface level uh, and isn't used to being told no by anyone mm. uh, and gets angry when anyone tells him no. Yep. Uh, I'm voting it's probably going to be the first. He's probably going to uh, commit economic harry carry or he's going to back out. I don't think so. Either if he's he backs back out, out, he can be permanently aggrieved, which was Trump's plan when he ran. Uh, you know, which I don't think true. he's going to. I don't think he's the kind of person who's going to buy it and let it stay stay the way it is. Right. So that only. He didn't yeah, do that so, with Tesla. So no, he yeah. didn't. And and by the way, I just I want to I want to mm-hmm. thank you, Bryn, so much for that full body beating of. <laughs> Elon Musk as as an intellectual and and anything because I I just yeah thank you so much because <laughs> I'm I'm so tired of of you know the the hero worship he gets from from certain corners of the internet for being such a genius and it's like no he bought a bunch of shit like yeah he he has done some notable things but he bought a bunch of shit and hired or kept on a bunch of people who did amazing things why does he keep getting the credit he did to tesla what edison did yeah pretty much yeah Yeah. why that's that's yeah spacex (laughs) spacex is an amazing company doing absolutely amazing shit none of it is tesla's work he didn't come up but not tesla none of it is musk's also true he didn't yeah well true but uh none of it is 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 musk's work he didn't do any of the engineering Right. He's not, he, you know, but like, you know, he's the guy in the CEO chair. So all these tech bros want to, you know, jack off to him. And it's no, <laughs> knock it the hell off. Right. Thank we're you. Gonna, we're going to leave people Thank with that you visual. for knocking him down a peg. Yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, don't ask me for the visual on describing what's going on with Putin and Russia. <laughs> well, we've already got tech bros jacking off and, and Tesla uh, or Elon Musk pegging. So I think this, uh, there you go. this is good. So, all right. Well, uh, why don't we go around the horn and plug stuff? Actually, I'm pretty sure all of us are going to plug the same book. So, uh, yeah. Bryn, given that you wrote it, why don't you plug your book for us? So uh, I spent four years researching and writing American fascism, how the GOP is subverting democracy. It's kind of unique in its field in that it takes a holistic look at the decline of American democracy, not just from the perspective of religion or history or economics or media. It looks at it from all these different angles. uh, And it takes a look at uh, parallels that we're seeing across the world in terms of democratic decline and where we're going and what we should have been doing to try and avoid this. Cool. Well, that's my book too, so. Yeah, and mine pretty much because it is is a remarkably... um, uh, a remarkably thorough and, and I think, uh, very clear-eyed uh, analysis. And um, I, 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 I spent an awful lot of time while I was reading it thinking, why the fuck didn't I notice that on my own? Like, it was full of moments. It was like, wow, that's really obvious. Why didn't I pick up on that? But it's all stuff that, that so many of us overlooked. And I, I think... Oh that's critically important that we all as many of us as can stomach it have that moment of realization so yeah no thank you for the work you put in and it's it's a great great book i can actually comment on what you just observed you wondered 
is basically I spent two and a half years, every time I had a thought inspired by something on the internet, mm -hmm. it would go in a file that was categorized like, oh, wow, that's, that's a thought. I would write the thought, I would give the, the, the hyperlink to it so I could find it again, and then I'd move it to a, doc, a, a Word document for, mm -hmm. for later use. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. That's how I write puns it, sometimes. Really? <laughs> uh, on occasion, yeah. I'll I'll, okay. I'll I'll work my way back. I'll be like, "Hey, here's a word that has five different things that rhyme with it. What can I do for this?" And then, so I'll write "ant boutique 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 boutique," and then I'll work my way all the way back. So, right. yeah, yeah, that's that's the magic. The cool. master sharing his secrets there. Yeah, well, you know, good luck duplicating it. Uh, so, uh, Ed, where can we find you on the social medias? I can be found on the social media. I'm not going to mention where I can be found on Twitter because I'm ambivalent about whether I want to stay on there right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so on, on the TikTok, I can be found at Mr. Underscore Blaylock. Uh, and right now that's mostly me ranting about Star Wars. Um, but, you know, if Twitter implodes, that'll probably change. Um, and then we collectively can be found at Geek History Time on Twitter because collectively I don't know how ambivalent we are. Um, and our website can be found at www.geekhistorytime.com. Um, and of course, you're listening to us right now, whoever you are out there in internet land. So you've already found us someplace. But if you haven't already gone there, we can be found at Stitcher or on the Apple Podcast app. And we ask that wherever you have found us, you please uh, subscribe and give us the five stars you know we've earned in a review. And Mr. Harmony, where can you be found? You can find me at Da Harmony on Twinsta for right now. And you can also find me uh, at Da Harmony One on uh, the TikTok, although I've been uh, bereft of, of content lately on account of the strike. <laughs> Hopefully that'll start coming back. Uh, I have a wonderful, wonderful pun about a Roman short sword. So it's, uh, it's, I'm looking forward to making that one. Uh, but that's mostly where you can find me. Also, if you happen to be in the Sacramento area on the first Friday of any month, you can find me at Luna's slinging puns with my pun crew, uh, Capitol Punishment, Capital with an O. Uh, you can find us if you got 10 bucks, you can come on down to Luna's and you got proof of vaccination. We'll let you in and you can see us live. And uh, that's, uh, you know, you've been warned. So and uh, Bryn, where can people find you? So primarily, you can find me at Bryn Tannehill, B-R-Y-N-N-T-A-N-N-E-H-I-L-L. -N 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 -E at Twitter, that's where you get all my political thoughts. Uh, you can also find me at Instagram, same name. Uh, there you can get mostly D&D &D memes and uh, videos of huskies destroying things, chewing things, biting things, howling, um, and generally making our lives a fur-covered mess. Very nice. Cool. Sounds like a nice escape from all the political stuff. <laughs> the, the Instagram is non-political. The Twitter is my political and um, a Ukrainian analysis. I love it. Outlet. Cool, cool. So, and where can people buy your excellent book? So you can buy it at Transgress Press. Uh, let me see if it's org. Transgress, uh, transgresspress.org forward slash American dash fascism dot HTML or just transgresspress.org. You can also find it on Amazon.com. Uh, you can get it as a hard copy or as a Kindle or as an ebook. Uh, and 
Right now, we are just signing the contract to have it turned into an audiobook. Nice. Are you going to be reading it yourself or? No, I'm hiring a um, a non-binary voice actor who I think comes close to my voice and has experience, has actual uh, experience as a, as a, in, vo- in voice acting or at least professional experience very nice very cool. i you know my my only suggestion would be that if you do find any quotes of jeff sessions uh to use your excellent golem voice yes so i was gonna say foghorn leghorn Ooh, yeah that's, that that's a little on the beak too. but that'll work yeah yeah cool well for a geek history of time i want to thank you once again bren for being with us i'm damien harmony And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.